0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, Texas recently passed a bill banning uh, racist concepts like critical race theory from the classroom. The media is now claiming that this rule, this bill, somehow requires Holocaust denial. We'll try to figure out what the hell they're talking about today. Also, the Secretary of Transportation, uh, Buttigieg, has been on paternity leave for two months and nobody noticed. What does that say about the necessity of his job? And also, what about paternity leave in the first place? Uh, we'll talk about that. And Amazon's new Lord of the Rings series promises to include a cast of racially diverse hobbits. Plus, Joe Biden announces that your five-year-old will soon be eligible for the COVID vaccine. And a home insurance ad features a young boy in drag. What does that have to do with home insurance exactly? We'll try to figure that out today and much more on The Matt Wall Show. Now, a word from my favorite sponsor, GenuCell Serum by Chaminix. Ladies and gentlemen, take a quick look in the mirror. See those bags under your eyes? You can simply get rid of them, and you should, because you all disgust me. Introducing GenuCell Plant Stem Cell Therapy for Bags and Puffiness Under the Eyes. Uh, Look, everyone is talking about this. Rosa from New Jersey wrote, I don't know where she wrote this, but she wrote it somewhere. I felt the bags under my eyes firm up and the skin was glowing. Your product helped me to reduce puffiness very fast in a couple weeks. I stopped using concealer because of the improvement. Actually, I've gone a week without applying heavy makeup. I would recommend to anyone, I've noticed a great difference. And I everywhere I go in America, as I travel um, this land, I hear this exact... I've, I've met so many roses telling me the exact same thing. And with its instant effects, you'll see results in as little as 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. Plus, for new, younger, and wrinkle-free skin, Chamonix will also give you the legendary GenuCell... XV Wrinkle Treatment, absolutely free, just for trying GenuCell today. You can order now and save big on GenuCell today. All packages are up to 50% off. Go to GenuCell.com and enter MATT30 for an extra $30 off today. That's GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com. As you have uh, noticed, especially if you listen to this show, there's been a lot of attention recently on left-wing indoctrination in schools and abuses of power by left-wing administrators. The corporate media has ignored these issues as much as it possibly can. Most outlets have totally refused to report on the developments in Loudoun County. Most of them have just said nothing at all about it. The Washington Post did mention the case in an article yesterday, but the article doesn't say that the assault happened in a bathroom. It doesn't mention anything about the bathroom policies Loudoun County pushed through. It doesn't mention that the alleged rapist was reportedly wearing a skirt. It doesn't say anything about Scott Smith, the father who was framed as a domestic terrorist because he got upset that his daughter was assaulted. In other words, the Washington Post reported on the story without actually reporting on the story. And even that was far more than what most corporate media outlets have been willing to do. Still, ignore it as as much as they want. Leftist indoctrination and corruption in schools has become a major issue. People are clued in. They are awakened to the problem. And that's why the media's next strategy, since the blackout strategy hasn't worked, I mean, that's always their first go-to. If, if there's a story they don't want to talk about, the most obvious thing is, well, we're not going to talk about it. If that doesn't work, then they need to get a little bit more desperate. And that's when you get to the classic diversion tactic. And that's why, if you were to check CNN or NBC News or the Huffington Post or AOC's Twitter feed yesterday or this morning, you would have seen huge screaming headlines Telling us uh, about this story from from uh, this is from the NBC story that AOC shared. It says a school administrator in Texas advised teachers last week that if they have a book about the Holocaust in their classroom, they should also have a book with an opposing perspective. Now, AOC, when she was sharing this, adds this concept this comment, she says, there is a reason white supremacy attacks history. Opposition to teaching bigotry's history and where it leads from the slave trade to the Holocaust is about erasing society's tools to recognize prejudice and prevent atrocity. Holocaust denial has no place in our society. None. Now, this has been treated as a major story. A teacher uh, in a school district in Texas secretly recorded a meeting with uh, a woman named Gina Petty, who's the district's executive director of curriculum and instruction. In the meeting, Petty is telling the teachers about the new Texas law, HB 3979, which effectively bans critical race theory. And that bill does a lot more than that. And We'll, we'll get to, to the bill in a minute and, and what it actually does. But Petty is explaining to the teachers what this bill requires and its implications. Petty, it's clear from the audio, doesn't like the bill. She also doesn't understand the bill, or at least isn't telling the truth about it, whether intentionally or not. And so the school administrator, in the context of explaining a Texas bill that she doesn't like and has misconstrued, makes this claim to the teachers about the Holocaust. Let's um, let's listen to the audio now.
1: We are in the middle of a political mess. And you are in the middle of a political mess. And so we just have to do the best that we can. And so we're gonna go and we're gonna do, you're gonna do what you do best, and that's to teach kids.
0: I think we're all just really
1: terrified. I, I, I yeah. think you are terrified. and. and I wish I could take that away. I I do. I can't. I can't do that. You are professionals. We hired you as professionals. We trust you with our children. So, if you think the book is okay, then let's go with it. And whatever happens, we will fight it together. We will. There's a lot of districts that are in the exact same spot we're in. And no one knows how to navigate these waters. I mean, no one. As you go through, just try to remember the concepts of thirty nine seventy nine, and make sure that if, if if you have a book on the Holocaust, that you have one that has opposing, that has other How different. do you oppose the what? Holocaust? I what? Believe
0: me, that's come up. So, so number the stars. Okay, so you hear at the end there, if you have a book on the Holocaust, make sure you have a book that has the opposing perspective. That's that's what uh, the, the petty there says. Now, an important point. The Texas bill absolutely does not require that schools give opposing perspectives on the Holocaust. It's not what the bill does. That's total nonsense. The story here is that is that Texas passed a law banning the political and racial indoctrination of children in schools, which would include an effective ban on critical race theory, though that's not the sole focus of the legislation. The school administrator doesn't like the bill and caricatured it to her teachers, thereby misinforming them about what is actually required of them. That's the story, if it's a story at all. But that's not what the media wants us to take from this. They want us to believe that the administrator's interpretation is correct, This bill, that this bill banning critical race theory actually prevents teachers from talking about the evils of racism at all. In fact, the Huffington Post headline about this bill when it was passed back in June said exactly that. Their headline was, Texas Governor Signs Law to Stop Teachers from Talking About Racism. Now, if that was what the bill accomplished, then, yeah, I suppose you'd have to talk about the Holocaust objectively, quote unquote, and give two sides to the issue of whether or not Jews should be exterminated. But that's not what the bill says. Here's what it says. I'll read it. I'll read the relevant portion to you. This is what it says. Quote, for any social studies course in the required curriculum, a teacher may not be compelled to discuss a particular event or widely debated and currently controversial issue of public policy or social affairs. A teacher who chooses to discuss such a topic shall, to the best of the teacher's ability, strive to explore the topic from diverse and contending perspectives without giving deference to any one perspective. Okay, so this is about widely debated current events. Is the Holocaust a widely debated current event? No. Um, The point in this legislation is that if a teacher is going to talk about some kind of controversial current events, say vaccine mandates or gun control or whatever, they should encourage the students to look at it from different perspectives, and they shouldn't force their perspectives on their students. That's all. The media has decided that if teachers can't impose their political views on students, then that means somehow they can't even say the Holocaust was bad. This is what we call a reductio ad absurdum argument, taking an entirely reasonable idea like teachers shouldn't bring their political biases into the classroom and redu- reducing it to an absurdity by claiming that this would somehow entail Holocaust denial. As for the claim that the Texas bill stops teachers from talking about racism, I mean, that's not a reduction to the absurd so much as just a flat-out lie. In fact, the bill specifically instructs schools to teach students about a range of historical subjects and subjects related to civics, including this from the legislation. This is what it says, as something that they're supposed to teach, quote, The history of white supremacy, including but not limited to the institution of slavery, the eugenics movement and the KKK and the ways in which it is morally wrong. That's in the bill. So while the media Democrats say that the bill bans teachers from talking about racism it actually instructs them to talk about it right there in plain language. In fact, in in that uh, Huffington Post article that says "Eh, teachers are banned from talking about racism. They do include the bill itself that you can read. And you just read the bill and it says the opposite of the headline. Not only that, but it bans the practice of racism in the classroom. So you talk about racism, but you can't actually be racist in the classroom as a teacher. That's what the bill says. Again, from the legislation, it says that teachers shall not, quote, be required to engage in training, orientation, or therapy, That presents any form of race or sex stereotyping or blame on the basis of race or sex or require or make part of a course the concept that one race or sex is inherently superior or that an individual by virtue of the individual's race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive. That's again in the bill. This this is not a prohibition of the discussion of racism in the classroom. It's a prohibition of racism itself in the classroom. A teacher could talk about racism, but it can't actually be racist or teach racist concepts. So the reality, as always, is exactly the opposite of what the media presents. And this is their real problem with the bill, by the way. The kind of racism just described, casting blame and guilt on the basis of race. Um, that's exactly what the media and Democrats want in the classroom. That's what Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez wants in the classroom. And everywhere else in society. And no matter what else, whatever else they say or claim, that's their real problem with it. Now let's get to our five headlines. Well, I'm very happy to introduce an incredible app that uh, everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Walsh and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get the cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code Walsh to get up to 50% ga- uh, per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. Uh, this is free money. It's easy to do. Why wouldn't you do it? You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. It really is as simple as that. All you got to do is just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code Walsh to get up to 50%, uh, rather, I should say, 50 cents uh, per gallon cash back on your first tank. That, again, is code Walsh at the GetUpside app. Uh, I do have to, I mean, I have to acknowledge some big news over um, on the YouTube channel. We did get to 400,000 subscribers. Uh, so it has been, I, don't know, I, 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 it seems like we just, we just celebrated, um, with, uh, I think it was with my tremendous banjo performance, 300,000 subscribers, not long ago. So the channel is, uh, is growing fast and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very happy about it. And in fact, to acknowledge our 400,000 subscribers, I will now perform a celebratory gesture. Are you ready? Wow. That was exciting. Now let's, uh, let's move on. And if you're just listening to the audio, you have no idea what you just missed. You'll never know. Uh, we'll start with this. This is a, this is kind of an interesting case and I have a, a, a few different angles to, to, uh, attack this, this story from. Um, but we'll start with the daily wire report. It says transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg has reportedly been on paid leave for months as the U.S. is facing historic supply chain crisis that is causing pain for Americans throughout the course of their daily lives. Uh, Politico reported, quote, while U.S. ports face anchor to anchor traffic and Congress nearly melted down over the president's infrastructure bill in recent weeks, the usually omnipresent Transportation Secretary Buttigieg was lying low. They didn't previously announce it, but Buttigieg's office told West Wing Playbook that the secretary has actually been on paid leave since mid-August to spend time with his husband, Chasen, and their two newborn babies. A spokesperson for the department told Politico that Buttigieg was mostly offline for the first four weeks, except for major agency decisions and matters that could not be delegated. Um, He's been ramping up the activities since then, according to the spokesperson, adding that Buttigieg will continue to take some time over the coming weeks to support his husband and take care of his new children. Um, Senator Marsha Blackburn uh, right here in Tennessee slammed Buttigieg in a statement to Breitbart News on Thursday saying we're in the middle of a transportation crisis and Pete Buttigieg is sitting at home. Meanwhile, cargo boats are unable to dock and shelves are sitting empty. Pete needs to either get back to work or leave the Department of Transportation. It's time to put American families first. Okay, so (laughs) this uh, this is this is pretty incredible. We're in the middle of a transportation crisis. And the transportation secretary has been at home since mid-August with no plans of returning. It's been two months. And he's saying, well, he's going to start ramping up activities now. Start ramping it up. So he's two months into his paternity leave where he's getting paid to sit at home with no plans of returning yet. And meanwhile, this is a cabinet secretary, someone appointed by the Biden administration, has been off the job since the middle of the since uh, you know the middle of August, and nobody even noticed until right now. That's a government job for you, okay? That that is a job that that is a bureaucracy for you, where you can disappear for two months, and it 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 will it, be eight weeks before anyone says, "Hey, what? Whatever happened to that guy? Which guy? Oh, you know, booted. I mean, the guy that runs this whole thing. Oh yeah, we we haven't really seen him around." Then they give them a call. Oh, yeah, guys, I've been here since uh, I've been here since August. That's that's the way it works in a bureaucracy. I mean, it can't work that way in the private sector. Right. Because, you you know, you you have a job where you actually have to perform a function and you're needed to do a certain thing. And, and if you and if you don't do the job, people are going to notice. Um. I'm just a podcast host for God's sake, but, but I'm pretty sure that if I didn't show, I I don't think I could not show up to work for, for two months and nobody would notice. Um, so he gets two months and counting of paid paternity leave. And I think, so there's, there's a couple things that this tells us. First of all, if you are able to disappear from your job for two months And nobody notices, then that's a really good indication that your job is not necessary. Okay, if there there are jobs in government where we can afford to lose you for two months, then that job needs to be gone. We need to eliminate that job. Um, What about paternity leave itself? Okay. Okay. Now, as you know, I I speak on this subject as a a man with four kids. So um, I know of what I speak. And this is one of those issues where you've got a lot of childless people who are chiming in, and it's very clear that they're childless because they they don't know what they're talking about. So I'll say about paternity leave. First of all, for for public employees, you're working for the government, you're on the taxpayer dime. I'm not, you know, I'll be generous. I'm, I'm the boss, right? You're the boss. We're the boss. We're the one paying the the uh, the salaries here. We're supposed to be the bosses. And so as the boss is paying the salary, my, your salary as a public employee, that comes out of my check. I got to pay for that. And no, I'm not paying for you to sit home for two months. I'm not paying for that. I shouldn't have to pay for that. Um. So for public employees, we could be generous and say, "Fine, you want to take paternity leave for a week? Uh, I'll 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 go that far." That's that's what a generous person I am. Two months is insane. There should not be anyone on the public taxpayer dime sitting home and not doing their job for two months. I mean, you want to sit home and prioritize your family and just be with your family you're perfectly free to do that, but we got to find someone else because the public needs this job to be done and we can't afford to pay you to to not do it. And again, if we don't need this job to be done so we can't afford it, then the job should just be eliminated completely. We, we, the public either needs that job done or not. And if we need it done, then do it. Um, Even in the private sector, I mean, you know, private companies can come up with whatever, whatever paternity leave policies they want. And if you work for a company that will let you stay home on paternity leave for two months, then, I mean, God bless you. I guess take advantage of that. But two months in general, you know, months of paternity leave is it really is absurd. I'm sorry. Again, speaking as a father of four, I can tell you, okay, there is very little for a father to do in the, in the, in the early stages of a child's life, in, in the newborn phase, there's not much for a father to do, especially if the mother's breastfeeding. And if the mother presumably is taking maternity leave and she's, and she's breastfeeding, then, um, all here's, here's what a baby, here's what a newborn baby does. After four of them, I can tell you, uh, a newborn baby eats and, uh, sleeps and poops. But that, those are the only things that a newborn baby doesn't, a newborn baby doesn't do anything but that. That's it. And sleeping, the baby's sleeping. Eating, that the mom's going to take care of that. And, yeah, I mean, you could be on the hook to change the poopy diapers and so that you, you could be helpful in that regard. But that's pretty much it for a newborn baby. Um, as far as bonding time, you know, I was talking about this on Twitter and people were saying, well, it's also the father needs bonding time. Okay, yeah, you want to stay home for a week and have some bonding time. That's why. I mean, two months of the, two months of bonding time where you're still getting paid to not work is ridiculous. But even that, again, I'm just telling you that there's not a lot of bonding that the father is going to do in, that, in those early stages of life because the newborn baby is all about the mom. That's, that's just the reality. For the father, the, the really important bonding time comes a little bit later in life. I mean, if anything, if we're talking about paternity leave for bonding time, then the, that should start like at their when they at their first birthday or something that that's when the when the most important bonding time for the father really kicks in a little bit later in the child's life. So we should be talking about that if that's what that's what this is all about. But, you know, the great news is I, I've I've never had any kind of paternity leave. And uh, and yet I'm still very well bonded with all my kids. I mean, you, you can still work and do your job and also bond with your kids. And I don't want to hear anything about how this is, oh, this is capitalism prioritizing, you know, income and, and uh, over families. What do you think? P-pri- pre-industrial times and non-capitalist societies, you think fathers, when, when a baby was born, they were just doing nothing for two months and sitting at home? No, there are still jobs that need to be done. And what makes us all the more absurd in Buttigieg's case is that yeah, the father does have a really important role early in the child's life, but the most important role, and if you are staying home for a week or two months as the dad, the main thing that you, that you, that you got to be doing, if you have other kids, you're, 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 you're going to be doing the lion's share of, that's like the main, when 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 we have more kids and, you know, with, with our most recent child, we had three other kids. And so my wife was taking care of the baby mostly and I was taking care of the older kids. Um, But if you don't have any other kids, then your main role as the dad, once the baby is born, is you're taking care of your wife. You're taking care of the mom. She's the one who's taking care of the baby most of the time. You're taking care of her as she physically recovers from the the birth. But Pete Buttigieg doesn't have a mom to take care of. There's no one who's physically recovering from any kind of birth. So I'm not sure exactly what he's even doing for those two months. Nothing. He's just sitting around. Having a nice vacation. Okay. Um, let's see. What else we got here? I thought this was this was a, I- interesting, given the timing of it. So I'm going to read from the Daily Mail. It says the chairman of Nike's successful Jordan brand has revealed that he murdered an innocent 18 year old boy in, eight, in 1965 while he was a gang member. Larry Miller, 72, announced Wednesday in a Sports Illustrated interview that he served time in prison after fatally shooting Edward White when he was a 16-year-old member of Philly's Cedar Avenue gang. Miller says he uh, took to the streets drunkenly and in search of revenge after one of his friends and fellow gang members was fatally stabbed by a member of the rival 53rd and Pine gang. Um, 53rd and Pine, that's a gang. It sounds like a boutique clothing shop. Uh, The business tycoon didn't know White, didn't know the victim, but wanted to avenge the murder of a fellow gang member and says he ended up shooting and killing the first person that he saw. So he just went. He did. He this, this wasn't even a, really a revenge killing. He found some random person and simply killed him. Um, White did nothing to provoke him, and there's no suggestion he was a member of any other gang. He died on the spot after being shot with a 38 Miller, and uh, Miller had gotten from his uh, from his girlfriend. Um, and. Why is Miller telling us this story now? Apparently he had kind of kept kept this to himself as he was climbing up the corporate ladder and he's a very successful person now running the Jordan brand. Uh, and uh, he's he is now revealing all of this because it's in a book that he's, that he's selling. And so he's doing the book tour and talking about this dramatic story wherein he commits first degree murder of an innocent person. And that's in the book and, and everything. Now, what makes this interesting is that, you know, he's... Of course, no one's calling for him to be fired or anything like that. I mean, he's, he has it in a book. He's 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 promoting he's promoting his book based on this story of murdering somebody. And uh, you know, most of the media headlines are talking about how brave it is that he's coming out about this, and it's a story about redemption and forgiveness and all those kinds of things. And that's all, that's all fine. I mean, I would say you're you're seventy two year old man. You committed this horrible crime. Decades and decades ago, you went to prison and served your time. Um, I think a story of, and he he has a lot of remorse about it. He he talks about how it has, the guilt has plagued him and everything. Um, I I didn't read anything in the story about whether he has tracked down the family of his victim and tried to help them in some way. Hopefully he's done that. So a story about about redemption and forgiveness, I'm all about that. I think that's great. Somebody commits a horrible crime, goes to prison, serves out their time, leaves, is able to still live uh, a, a productive life after the fact. I think that's great too. But it's just interesting that we can accept this kind of redemption and we can have forgiveness for something like this in our society, and yet if you said vulgar words in a private email 10 years ago, that is unforgivable. That's the interesting thing to me. And you could easily uh, home in on the the racial aspect of this. Larry Miller is a black man. Uh, John Gruden's a white guy. That makes John Gruden a lot less sympathetic in the eyes of the media and much of the culture. And there is that, but that's not all what this, that's thats not this, the whole story here. It's also just that these days we really do see murder as less of a crime, less of a moral failing than using politically incorrect language. You know, if 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 Larry Miller had revealed his own emails, if rather than have, having killed someone when he was a teenager, if he had revealed his own, or I guess back then it would have been letters that he'd written, you know, where he used like the F slur for gay people or something like that, if that's what he was revealing, something tells me that people would be much less uh, accepting of his redemption arc in that case, because our priorities are so wildly. Out of whack. All right, next. This is from uh, the Daily Wire, as uh, the Daily Wire and, and uh, Luke Rosiak here, investigative journalists, continue to follow this story in Loudoun County. And it's it's good that we're following the story in Loudoun County because, as we talked about at the top of the show, the media, the corporate media, has no interest whatsoever in this um, in this story. So here's the latest, and it keeps getting worse. Um. It says Loudoun County Public Schools did not record multiple known incidents of alleged sexual assault in schools dating back several years, despite a law that requires statistics about school safety incidents to be reported to the public and which includes provisions holding school superintendents personally liable for violations. After the Daily Wire raised the discrepan- discrepancy with the Virginia Department of Education, The spokesman, Charles Pyle, said that uh, the VDOE is reviewing the discipline, crime, and violence data submissions of Loudoun County Public Schools and is in communication with LCPS to determine whether the division's reporting is accurate and whether the division is in compliance with state and federal law. Um, The same law could have implications for a Loudoun superintendent or principal in the wake of a May 28th alleged sexual assault in a bathroom, which we've talked about. So now we have multiple alleged sexual assaults. which, which were not recorded or reported. And that shouldn't surprise you because as we discussed on the show yesterday, this is an epidemic in the public school system. While you're finding in Loudoun County, I mean, you could dig in to hundreds of different school districts across the country and you're going to find similar things. Sexual assaults in the school system, student-on-student, teacher-on-student, that are not recorded, not reported. Teachers are moved around. All the rest of it. This is happening. This is this is a. It's a big story in Loudon County. But this is a classic tip of the iceberg type of thing. Um, it goes much deeper than that. It, it's 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 like in the Catholic Church. We started hearing reports out of Boston and uh, what was happening. Up in Boston with with pedophile priests getting moved around and then you start digging deeper into it and you find out that, OK, this is happening all, all across the country. Because that's the way it always works. You know, it's the, 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 these kinds of problems are when you when they're in a system like this, they're never going to be contained to one little piece, one little part of the system. It's always going to be system wide. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. The daily wire is here to not to toot our own, our own horn, but this is just not a story that the media is going to chase down. Even taking the trans bathroom angle out of it, because all of these other thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of cases of sexual assault that have happened in our schools over the last several years. Most of them have nothing to do with bathrooms, have nothing to do with any of that. And still the media doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, Abuse in the Catholic Church? Sure. That's fantastic, as far as they're concerned. Because they hate Catholicism, they hate the Catholic Church, they, they hate what it represents. And so if they can find this kind of evil and moral hypocrisy... Uh, and, and these predators in the Catholic Church, then for them, that, uh, that, that fits perfectly into the narrative. And they will chase those, those kinds of stories down fearlessly. Because what is there to fear? Uh, in, in the public school, it's an entirely different deal. All right, this is from the website GameSpot. It says, actor Sir Lenny Henry has shared some new insight on Amazon's The Lord of the Rings TV show, which will feature a diverse, multicultural cast and a very strong female presence. Speaking to the BBC, Henry said that he plays a Harfoot, which is a type of hobbit, described by Tolkien in his writing as having darker skin. Uh, he said, quote, I'm a Harfoot because J.R.R. Tolkien, who was from Birmingham, suddenly there were black hobbits. I'm a black hobbit. It's brilliant. Um, and then he continues and said, in this new series, there are black and Asian and brown um, hobbits. It's a whole brand new set of adventures that, that seed some of the origins of different characters. Then he also talks about how there's a, he says, there's a very strong female presence in this. Uh, there are going to be female heroes in this, and there are going to be little people as usual. Okay, well, first of all, th- there, were, there were female heroes in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not an expert on Tolkien's mythology, but I do remember that at least. And again, as not an expert on Tolkien mythology, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I remember the movies and the books, uh, correctly that the hobbit hobbits are from, you know, a small region of middle earth. So the idea that you would have this, this wide array of racial diversity, that you have Asian hobbits in Middle Earth, where there is, as far as I am aware, no Asia in, 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 the, in the context of that mythology, that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, you might have darker and lighter skin tones, just like you have anywhere else. But I'm not sure how, how you get racial diversity from this small little region of Middle Earth. And, and I know you you could easily say, ah, well, who, who cares? It's all fiction. It's all... It's all fantasy, you can do what you want, and I get that. But even so, it, it doesn't make sense within Tolkien's mythology. It doesn't actually make sense within the story. And so, why are they doing it? If all they cared about was, was tr- staying true to the story and telling the story, then you wouldn't have this. They're doing this because they, there are things that they care more about. You know, there are things they prioritize over the story itself. And one of those things is checking the boxes. So the first priority when they set out to tell this tale about Middle Earth and about th- this mythological tale, their first priority is not, let's tell a great story. Let's stay true to Tolkien's mythology. That's, that's not it. The first priority is, you know, we've got all these boxes of representation, let's check them all off. We've got to have X number of female characters. We've got to have X number of black characters, Asian characters. Of course, we got to you know we got to figure out a way to ram uh, some some gay characters in here. Can we get a transgender hobbit? I'm sure we can. That becomes the the first priority, and then everything else is secondary. And uh, I I simply have no tolerance for it. So this 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 show for me is checked off the list. I was actually kind of looking forward to it, but the moment the moment I notice the PC box checking the moment they do it I I, I have no tolerance for it anymore. I don't want to see it not going to waste my time with it it's it's this complete fourth wall breaking moment where they're taking us out of the story they're telling they're taking us out of the fantasy and the mythology they're taking us away from middle Earth And they're putting us right here in in the year 2021 in this confused, politically correct culture of ours, you know, and they're making sure that everything being shown in this fantasy story aligns with the, you know, values and needs of, uh, of, of, of American culture in the year 2021, it just, it, it annihilates the fourth wall, takes you out of the story and it's what, what's the point anymore. All right. Let's go next to this. Joe Biden had a big announcement about vaccines for children that I suppose his parents were supposed to be excited about. You can tell me if, uh, if, if that's how you feel about it. Uh, here it is. Now I know parents uh, out there are anxiously waiting for a vaccine for children ages five to 11. The good news is the FDA and outside experts from the CDC are set to make its determination as to whether the vaccine will be authorized for that age range in the next few weeks. If authorized, we are ready. We have purchased enough vaccines for all children between the ages of 5 and 11 in the United States. And it will be convenient for parents to get their children vaccinated at trusted locations. And families will be able to sleep easier at night, knowing their kids are protected as well. Um, I mean, I've been sleeping fine at night except when the kid is in bed with us because he had a nightmare and is kicking me in the face all night. Um, But as far as COVID goes, I've I've been sleeping perfectly fine. As a parent, if you've been losing any sleep, worried about your kids and COVID, then that's a sign of your your own extreme paranoia. Um, He says the good news is that the FDA is approving the vaccine for kids. No, the good news is that your kids have this thing called uh, an immune system. And as it happens, their immune system, this is not the case for people in older age groups necessarily, but for them, their immune system provides them even better protection than the vaccine does for older age groups. That's the good news. And in fact, uh, Joe Rogan had Dr. Gupta from uh, CNN on his show a couple a couple days ago and he he was trying to make this point about the vaccines and kids and and this and this kind of natural immunity that kids have natural immunity in the sense of their their natural immune system pro- provides them such profound protection he was trying to to make this point to Gupta and there there's this disconnect that you can see let's let's watch it
2: Don't you think that even with a breakthrough infection, untreated, you're probably more vulnerable than the average child who is not vaccinated, who gets COVID? Uh, Like Like people have died who are double vaccinated. In fact, there was a guy who just won an Emmy who's- uh, who's, Yeah, I saw that. The odds of that happening to a healthy child are very, very low. Very low. But that guy is probably your age. How old are you? I'm 51. Yeah, he's about your age. Theoretically, you would be more vulnerable than a young child would be. You vaccinated would be more vulnerable of a breakthrough infection than a young child would be, statistically speaking, right? Uh, but you're not worried they're about catching rare. But you're not worried about catching it. You're not worried about catching it because you've been vaccinated and you think it imparts a certain amount of protection. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying to you is I think that not worry is the same feeling that a lot of people have about their children. They're not worried about their healthy children catching it for the same reason you're not worried about catching it being vaccinated, that if treated correctly, they think that the child probably has a better chance even than you do because you're 51 years old. I I think... Does that... I mean, they're they're both. That seems reasonable, right? Well, I think it's. I don't. I I, I know the story but about you, this fifty-three-year-old. But you see what I'm saying? Like with your well, attitude, that you're not worried about catching it because you've been vaccinated and you're a healthy guy. I'm, that is the exact same feeling that people have about vaccinating their children. If they have healthy children and they know that statistically speaking, there's so few children that have died from COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there, there are. It's like I think five hundred or so children out of have died millions from... and millions and millions of kids that probably have been exposed. Yeah, and, and but you know, it's again part of it is is not defining this in terms of life and death.
0: It, it, this is, it, it's never going to get through. It can't get through. Like what, kid, this this is not really a risk for kids. Why are we acting like it's a risk? You know. Uh, what what's what's the reason for that this is just it's a question that's never going to get through and so you see he keeps he keeps he keeps trying to bring it back to that but it is it's like it's like talking to a tree or something people have committed to this idea that everybody you know everybody has to treat covid exactly the same We are all, I guess this is the principles of equity being applied to, uh, to COVID and to science. We are all equally as susceptible to COVID. Even if we're not, we're going to pretend that we are, including our kids. All right. One other thing I have to show you. Uh, I mean, I don't have to show you this, but I'm going to, and God forgive me. I beg your forgiveness. Um, but no, not this one. We're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, there we go. So this this is, this is the thing. In fact, let's put up... Uh, no, we, we won't show the video of her dancing, but Lizzo... Let's, let's just show the pictures there. Okay, there we go. So Lizzo, uh, the, the singer Lizzo showed up to Cardi B's birthday party a few days ago. And uh, I only know about this, by the way, because this was all over. Tw- like, Twitter, for days, had, kept, kept pushing these headlines about Lizzo at Cardi B's birthday party in a totally see-through dress. So Lizzo went to the, Lizzo who, who is, you know, I should remind you, she's morbidly obese. And if you're looking at the picture, I don't need to remind you of that. It's, it's right there in your face. You can, you can quite clearly see it. But a morbidly obese pop singer, uh, she goes to Cardi B's birthday party uh, in a see-through dress and with nothing on underneath. Okay, Twitter really wanted us to see this. And so for days and days, they were pushing this headline out. And, of course, the media talking about how beautiful and amazing this is and what a beautiful dress it is. And if you look at some of the reaction on social media, well, a lot of seemingly normal people insisting, that oh, she's gorgeous, this is beautiful. And nobody actually thinks that, right? But we've been convinced to deny so many basic truths that we know deep down to be true, but we've been, we've, we have been uh, uh, scolded and yelled at so much that we've been, we have been, many of us convinced to suppress those truths that we recognize. And that, that includes basic truths about biological science and everything else. But there's also a truth to beauty. I mean, beauty is not, despite what you're told, in the eye of the beholder. There is an objective quality to beauty. And so you look at, uh, I don't know, the sun setting over the ocean. That's beautiful. And if anybody were to to be be standing on that beach with you and looking at this, uh, looking at that sky and the sun setting over the ocean, and they were to say that's disgusting, ew, ugly. Um, no, it's, this is not a matter of them having a different opinion that's totally valid. They're wrong. I mean, they're probably mentally ill. That would be a sign that someone is mentally ill. If they were somehow disgusted by this, what is an objectively beautiful sight? Um, and it goes the other way too. I mean, a, a morbidly obese woman walking around a see-through dress—that that is—that is, that is not a beautiful sight. It simply is not. And if you're saying that it is, you're probably lying, and you know that you're lying, or you're lying and you don't know it, because you because society has told you that you're not allowed to recognize. Okay, take the pictures down. Stop showing them. Let's, let's take the pictures off. I think we've seen enough. Uh, society has told you that you're not allowed to recognize the objective quality to physical beauty because there is an objective quality there. You know, We're, we're told that th- through uh, uh, different cultures and, and different societies throughout history have had different standards of beauty. And yeah, that's basically true. But if you were to look at who would be considered, I mean, prior to when we all lost our minds, who would have been considered a what, what woman would have been considered a beautiful woman in our culture that would, would woman would have been considered beautiful in any culture throughout history. Some, some slight differences but there's really no culture except ours that would ever insist that morbid obesity is beautiful And it, it can't be beautiful because it's suicidal it's destructive. you're, you're, you're watching someone kill themselves slowly What's, that can't be beautiful. It's not beautiful to watch someone destroy themselves. And by the way, a see-through dress on anyone is—why tr- are you putting the pictures up again? We don't. No, please. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get through this segment right now. Please. Uh. What was I even saying? The the a see-through dress on anyone is trashy and gross on anybody. I mean, that's that's a, that's that's a trashy and, and embarrassing thing to do. It's also something you dress like that because you hate yourself. That is a self-loathing, self-hating thing to do because you don't see the dignity. You don't see your own dignity. And so the other thing that we're told when we see a dress like that is not only is it beautiful, which it isn't clearly, uh, but we're also told that this is, you know, if you love yourself and you're confident about yourself, this is how you address this is a sign of her confidence. Well, we know that's not the case. In fact, we played the video a few weeks ago where Lizzo was uh, crying on Instagram Live because of some of the mean comments people have made about her. That's an honest moment. I mean, this is someone who very much has a lot of self-doubt. And, um, and you, you know that not just from crying on Instagram Live, but because that's what you do. That's, that is overcompensation to an extreme degree. If you really love yourself, then you would respect your own dignity. And going out like that is undignified. All right, we gotta we gotta just keep moving on. I think this is a message from the control room to just move to the next topic. because uh, they keep flashing Lizzo's naked butt at me. So we're gonna we're gonna move now to reading the comments. Who's rocking polka
2: dot and flannel shirts without shame? Do you know
0: their name? They're the sweet baby gang. Okay. Good. Uh, let's see. First comment says, Matt, what is your opinion on the actor and comedian Matt Walsh? Whenever I Google your name, he comes up first. Uh, you know, I'm, I have no problem with him. I, I think that probably he, I, I, you know, I, I got to say, I, I think he's the, the, the victim in, in this, in our shared name. Um. Yeah, he's a Hollywood actor. He, I assume he's... The pretty safe assumption that he's left wing. I, I don't mind... Look, I, I embrace all Matt Walsh's. I, I, I think that there... I wish that there was a brotherhood that we, we all share in our name, but I, I just don't know if that feeling is returned. I, I suspect that it's not a mutual feeling. Um, Shiffy Weinberg says, why don't all parents of Loudoun County stop sending their children to school for two weeks or even longer? That might get the message across. Uh, yeah, I, I, think that that's an interesting idea. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, some, some sort of, I mean, going, going to the school board meetings and speaking out is an important thing to do, but Loudoun County is making that as difficult as possible. And again, they only give you the 60 seconds, which is absurd. So yeah, if I was still a resident of Loudoun County, then, uh, then which maybe I will become a resident again in the, in the future, who knows? I would be looking at uh, at other methods of sending the message across on top of going to school board meetings. Uh, slightly Offended says, why doesn't the the vice resident give up any land or house that she owns? She's so sad and hurt by what those in her family have done. Then take action. Well, right. If you, if you believe that you're on stolen land, see, I have, there's no moral quandary for me. This idea that we are on stolen land and we're all thieves, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't accept it. I don't believe that. I don't think that. And so I'm going to go about living my life. But if you actually believe that you are on stolen land and yet you continue to live on it, well, that morally, that makes you a thief. You know, I don't have the moral guilt of a thief because I simply don't accept the, pre- the premise at all. But if you really believe that premise, if you actually believe that your land is stolen, that you have no right to be on it, and yet you remain there, then you have that moral, the, that's that's the irony, the moral guilt that you're trying to hoist on everybody else actually lays at your own feet. Unless you don't believe it, which makes you a hypocrite. And then you have that moral guilt. So pick your poison. Uh, David says, I wish you were my daddy and you could put me back to sleep after a bad dream. David, you, no. don't. You're taking liberties with the sweet daddy thing that, that uh, are not acceptable and you are banned from the show. How dare, how dare you, sir? Uh, Major Tom Fisher says was thinking about the question about Daily Wire's future movies and now I really want to see DW buy Big Idea back from DreamWorks and finally bring back VeggieTales bringing it back to its home in Tennessee too. I can tell you right now if Daily Wire buys VeggieTales I quit I want no part of that um, and uh, let's see what else we got Luke says are you going to do a review of the new Adele song no, because I only review songs that are terrible. That's the rule. And I did hear that. Adele has a new song out, apparently. And uh, I did hear it, and yeah, it wasn't bad. She can actually sing. Like it's a, She's actually singing a song, and there's music in the background. And uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a song. And my standards are pretty low these days for pop music. Uh, BH says, who the hell is Matt Walsh? Have you guys ever watched the Jordan Harbinger show? Even Matt knows deep down his show sucks compared to the Jordan Harbinger show. Jordan Harbinger is the real leader of the Sweet Baby Gang. Well, I can't deny that, BH. I think you're, I think you're exactly right. What are you all doing here when you should be listening to the Jordan Harbinger show? We had a lot of exciting announcements to make at our show of uh, our showing of backstage at the Ryman this past Tuesday because Daily Wire is fulfilling their promises of bringing you even more non-woke content that you literally will not find anywhere else. And a very special guest helped us to deliver one of those announcements. Our good friend, Adam Corolla, comedian and host of The Adam Carolla Show. Corolla is joining The Daily Wire for a comedy series that'll deliver the laughs you need with the truth you deserve. And we can't wait to share the final product with you. The first few episodes will drop in November, with more to come early next year. So there's no better time to join us than right now. Head to dailywire.com slash subscribe and enter code, code 2022. For 25% off your membership. That's DailyWire.com/slash subscribe, code 2022 for 25% off a Daily Wire membership. And you know it's been an exciting week for the, week for the Daily Wire, and this weekend's Sunday special only adds to the excitement. Ben will be joined uh, by none other than Barry Weiss, a brilliant writer, journalist, and now the voice of her own excellent podcast called Honestly. They sit down to make sense of all that's been going on today, and it truly is worth a listen. Go check it out this Sunday at dailywire.com or on Ben's YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro. Daily Wire members get access to special bonus content from Sunday special episodes, so don't miss out. Join Daily Wire today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today, we cancel John Lewis. Um, Not the late congressman, but the UK company, which provides home insurance, among other things. The company's been making some headlines, uh, mostly positive headlines, over an inclusive and progressive new advertisement, which features, as so many ads do these days, a young boy cross-dressing. Now the ad title, we can just play the ad here while I'm talking, um, so you, you can see. The, the, the ad is titled, Let Life Happen, and it opens with the boy in what appears to be his sister's room, kind of dolled up in, uh, in girl clothes, with makeup smeared all over his face, and he's got jewelry on, and he's got, uh, he's got high heels, and the room is completely trashed and torn apart, and then, and there he is there, and then the boy begins dancing through the house, and uh, he's, at one point, he's smearing paint on the walls, kicking over lamps, tearing books off the shelves. Uh, he knocks over his sister's paints, and he spills them on the carpet. Towards the end, he, he throws glitter all over the living room. He starts dancing on top of the table. And then you see, at one point, his, his mother is looking on with a blank expression, And then the ad ends with the words, let life happen, home insurance. So that's the ad. Now, before we even get to the issue of the boy in the dress, I think there are a number of basic concept problems with this ad. The first is that no insurance company on earth, I can tell you this right now, including John Lewis, I'm quite sure, will cover damage to your home, which has been caused intentionally by your bratty child, while you sat there and watched. Anyone who's ever dealt with home insurance companies knows that home insurance in general is great until you actually have to use it. Okay. The insurance companies would prefer that you just pay them each month and never actually use the product you've been paying for. If you do dare to file a claim, they're almost offended when you, when you call them up and say, I got to file a claim. What do you mean you got to file a claim? They'll do everything in their power to ensure that your claim isn't covered by the policy you paid for. There's almost always some fine print technicality, like you call and say that uh, you have a burst pipe and they'll say, uh, well, w- when, when did the pipe burst? And you'll say it happened on Tuesday morning and they'll say, oh, well, uh, oh, unfortunately, if the pipe burst on Tuesday between 6.15 a.m. and eight 8.17 a.m., we can't cover it. That, that wasn't your policy. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately, we just we just can't. So my point is that they definitely aren't covering the damage done by your out of control son during his impromptu drag performance. Even if they say they will, they won't. But maybe that's neither here nor there. The real point is that the marketing agency that made this ad went out and hired a young boy, dressed him up in makeup and heels, and told him to dance around the house while they film him. Why? Well, because the people behind this ad are a bunch of creepy, disgusting freaks. And like all the other creepy, disgusting freaks who run our culture, they really want your child to be gender fluid. They especially want this for young boys. I mean, when you see this kind of thing in mainstream advertisements advertisements for normal, everyday products like home insurance... Then you see all the books in the children's section of Barnes & Noble that feature boys dressing like girls, and you see the drag queen story hours and all the rest of it. It becomes quite clear that the promotion of gender ideology has become pr- the priority number one for our cultural overlords. It's the most important thing to them. They desperately want your kids to buy in, especially your sons. So it's, it's uh, interesting to note that the majority of kids who fall into the trap and start identifying as gender fluid or trans are girls. This kind of thing is the most common among adolescent girls these days. And yet it would seem that most of the effort is put into inducting boys into the cult. Why is that? Well, I think girls reach a certain age right around puberty when they're especially susceptible to the, to the, um, to the gender cult. You know, they go through a period of feeling uncomfortable in their own bodies, not at home in their bodies. Uh, boys may have something like that as well, but it's not nearly as pronounced. The gender cult gives girls a framework for understanding these natural and fleeting feelings. The cultists seize on this normal phase of girlhood and use it as a wedge to pry girls away from their true and natural identities. With boys, it would seem the job is harder. Boys have their own bewildering experiences in puberty, but it's not the same. And the feelings of physical alienation within your own body are, again, not nearly as powerful in boys as they are in girls, which means that if the gender cultists want to get to boys, they need to start younger and they need to be more aggressive. They need to try harder. And that's why it's almost always boys being targeted by these kinds of things, even as girls make up the majority of the kids who ultimately fall victim to it. But the funny thing about this ad is that it actually makes the opposite point from the one that it's trying to make. Because the boy in the ad is immature, out of control, childish, destructive, When left to his own devices, when his mother just sits there and lets him do what he wants, offering no guidance or correction at all, he makes himself and the home into a disaster zone. The boy can't be given that kind of free reign. He needs instruction. He needs careful parental oversight. That's not what the ad is trying to demonstrate, but that's what it did demonstrate. And that's also why you can't let kids choose their own gender because they lack the maturity and discernment and long-term decision-making ability to, to determine that for themselves. Of course, nobody can determine it for themselves because biology determines it, but children especially can't be given that kind of power. And so the ad would seem to illustrate that for us quite profoundly and also quite unintentionally. When you as a parent just sit there drinking your coffee, letting your kid live their life, without giving any guidance, you know, letting them alone in the dark to fumble their way through without grabbing the flashlight yourself and saying, no, child, this, this is the way to go. When you do that, this is what, what you end up with. You end up with a boy wearing drag, tearing your house apart. So, for that reason, although they ultimately made the correct point unintentionally, We still have to say that uh, John Lewis home insurance and really maybe all home insurance in the end is uh, canceled. And that'll do it for us today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodovsky. The show is edited by Ali Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart.